Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> Yo, Froth, it's Joe, and this doesn't have much to do with much. I just wanted to let you know, the other day I was coming up with a random table for 12 prophecies, and I was stuck. I needed inspiration, but I didn't know where to turn. So what did I do? Where did I go? I went to the Anchorites, and I started stealing your names. <laughs> I got Free Thrall and Spike Pit and Unguarded Treasure and Dragons Are Real, Thought Eater, and one or two more. And, dude, your prophecy came up. You are now officially part of the Wheeler Woe universe. The prophecy was, there is a Thought Eater in the heart of power. And do I know what that means? No, but that is the beauty of prophecy. Anyway, dude, I just want to let you know. Have a good one. Peace out. What is up, everybody? It is Froth here at Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for listening. And yeah, you know, talks of Thought Eaters, random tables there from Joe Richter of Hindsightless and Wheel or Woe. So that all kind of fits in with the hump day, right? Because you know there's going to be some random table action here. And, of course, we're on the Thought of Your Podcast, so I'm happy to be part of your campaign. Uh, let me know how it happens. Who knows? Who knows what could go on with that? So, so anyway, I'm in a good mood, uh, but busy. So I'm actually recording parts of this in my car. I'm out here. My daughter's in her dance class, so I'm... You know, you got to sneak in the Hump Day Bloggerama wherever you can to, to, to make sure it comes out on Wednesday morning for folks. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's just part and parcel to, to, to getting this done. It's, it's, a, it's a labor of love, as I've said before. I'll go ahead and mention, I think I'll drop one next week, but then we'll be looking at, you know, the new year before another one. Um, obviously, so probably a couple weeks off. Probably a couple weeks off altogether from uh, from podcasting and doing anything else. So, but we'll make these next two count. I got a great show for, put together for y'all today, and then I guess when I get back for the New Year's, maybe I'll do a just a absurd amount of of Hump Day stuff because I'll still be following along with it. But, but anyway, something I do want to mention before we get started, uh, I, I'm wanting to put together a call-in episode, uh, folks podcasting here you know legendary anchorites world-renowned highly touted anchorites i've gotten some messages already from some love some more y'all to call in and uh listeners you don't have to have a podcast it's real easy you go to my anchor page uh that'll be linked on all these you know shows and everything uh the kind of landing page for the thought eater website uh, podcast and there's a little button that says message and as long as you've got a a microphone or if you're on the anchor app you can just message me and what I'm looking for is New Year's Gamer Resolutions. What do you want to do next year that you didn't get done this year that you really want to do? What's something in your mind that you're wanting to change? What's a product you're looking forward to? What's a campaign you're looking forward to running? What 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 is coming up for you in the next year? What do you want to happen? What are your New Year's Gamer Resolutions? I want to put together a big show with it. I think it'll be a lot of fun, so... Uh, maybe another couple of weeks uh, of time to to get those in. So I'd love to hear uh, hear from you if if you have some. So what is this show even? If you're a new listener, you're probably like, what am I even listening to? This is a, a weekly show called Hump Day Bloggerama, and you know I'm a RPG blog junkie. I love the individuality and the creativity that goes into blogging. The show skews a little old school, but I try to follow every kind of RPG blog there is and give a good variety of stuff going on in the blog scene. And I discussed highlights, things I noticed over the week here on the podcast, and then I put up all the links in order over at the Thought Eater blog. Just Google Thought Eater blog or go to froth, S-O-F, dnd.blogspot.com couple of call-ins to get to before we get rolling, and uh, I got some responses on my uh, my uh, final topic last week. I was talking about the, the D&D movie, uh, kind of the history of, of, of D&D movies, the quality, uh, Gygax's attempts to get, to get one made uh, back in the 80s, uh, D&D representation in media, 
And, you know, of course, there's a, a new one that's been in the works for a while. They are trying to, you know, looks like there's going to be a budget. Looks like they're going to, you know, they're making an effort to make something, you know, make something good out of it. Um, but I can't help but take a dim view at the prospects. But then again, you know, it, it could be the best thing since sliced bread. So so we'll have to see. But but let's listen to what uh, what some folks called in, uh, what their thoughts were about uh, uh, the D&D movie and as well as, uh, you know, fantasy movies in general and, and this kind of thing. Here we go. Hey, Froth. I think the biggest problem with the D&D movies is they're not giving us believable characters. You know, in the film business, we say that you need to find a character who has a lot to lose. And we're never given those characters in a D&D movie. We're never, we, we can never be, identify with them. Personally, I think a good D&D movie would be a dungeon crawl. You know, you you have a, a, a group of would-be grave robbers going into the barrow maze and all of a sudden they start losing their people and they've got to get out. That is Frank T there, Legendary Inkwright, does the Frank T's Liner Note podcast and you've heard me many times plug on Frank's Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Frank T, awesome map stuff that'll come up again later and thanks for the call in Frank and uh, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about your message actually because I think that would be a a good way to go um, with a movie, just a straight up dungeon crawl, you know, and uh, just the attrition that happens and uh, it'd be a good way to mix a lot of tropes and stuff in, but you can still maybe make it gritty. I don't think, it, I don't think they would ever do that. I, th- I don't think it would happen, but if you made a gritty dungeon crawl style movie, uh, that would be cool. And it reminds me, you know, sometimes people talk about, you know, D and D kind of movies. They, they aren't specifically for D and D, but they give it D and D feel. And it reminded me a little bit, not a lot now, a little bit, of this horror movie I saw, As Above, So Below, that's like treasure hunters and the French catacombs, basically. It's it's set in modern times. It's not, you know, not fantasy or whatever. It's more like a horror type deal. But it still felt kind of D&D as they're getting deeper and deeper into the dungeon and weirder and stranger things are happening. And it was able to capture the, uh, you know, having to, uh, one scene they're having to, kind of claw through a caved in area it has a claustrophobic feel and uh and that kind of stuff I was able to really kind of capture more than any other movie i could think of like the feeling of being in a you know completely dark dungeon i guess you get that too maybe from some of these uh caving you know spelunking horror movies i forget the name of the one that uh that did really well um but that you know that that feel that dungeon crawl feeling that wouldn't be a bad, you know, I could sit through that, but you know, they're, they're not going to do that. There's going to be some, you know, Jar Jar Binks sort of character. You can see it coming. You can see it coming. But anyway. Hey Froth, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I want to thank you for all that you do. I really appreciate all the podcasts you put out and all the hard work you put into them. As far as movies go, I think Conan the Barbarian, the original, is still the best sword and sorcery movie. My pick for my favorite fantasy movie is Excalibur. Without a doubt, I think Excalibur is awesome for just, you know, the general fantasy theme. And as far as best D&D movie, it's not a good movie, but I think I would nominate either Conan the Destroyer. If you look at it, it's not a bad D&D movie. It's better than D&D movies. Um... Maybe Dragon Slayer, which is actually a good movie. I think Dragon Slayer does really good. I think that's worth looking at. Um, yeah, and that's about it. Uh, hold on, I'm going to leave a little more after the break. The other fantasy movies out there, like 80s and before the 80s, Sword and Sorcery and, and movies of all those nature, I, would, I quite enjoy some of the Roger Corman movies. Now, once you get into the 80s, they get kind of rapey. 
So just be aware of that. That was kind of a thing in 80s movies, especially 80s sword and sorcery movies. So like um, Deathstalker, the first one's a super rapey movie. The second one, not so bad. The second one's actually a parody of the first one. And the second one I quite enjoy, actually. But, yeah, some of Corman's movies are interesting. A lot of Corman's movies are just junk. So I, I will warn you about that. But, yeah, Conan the Barbarian, Excalibur, Dragon Slayer are probably the best of the fantasy movies. Honorable mention to Conan the Destroyer is the best D&D movie. And, yep, yeah, that's about it. Talk to you later. That's Jason there from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and you know, people, a lot of people dog on that second Conan movie, but, and now I haven't seen it in forever, so there's probably some 80s, heavy 80s cheese in there, but I remember loving it when I went to the theater and saw it. Uh, Me and some friends all went and saw it, and we came out of it, you know, swinging swords and and that you know what i mean we came out of that thing pumped up we loved it so uh you know and then dragon slayer is another is is a good movie um um i remember seeing that in the theater you know there's a lot of kind of D &D feeling movies back then crawl maybe (laughs) you know i love crawl now as far as uh the corman movies i've seen a couple but i i'm not a you know aficionado i I couldn't, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't seen, I probably should have seen more of them, but I, especially given that I do enjoy trash, you know, I, I do enjoy some good trash. Like, uh, I love Herschel Gordon Lewis and some of these, you know, exploitation, you know, schlock, trashy flicks and everything. So, um, but um, I did see one uh, Fulci uh, fantasy movie. I'll have to look up the name. They, you know, when all the, these fantasy movies were coming out in the early eighties and it was bad and you know, it was, it was, it was God awful, terrible. But, but, uh, the second Conan, you know, people dog on it. I just remember having a good experience watching it, but, but anyway, thanks for the suggestions and the thoughts. Conquest. That's the name of it. Uh, that's some trash there. Conquest, Lucio Fulci. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. So what I would like from a D&D movie is really just some epic trilogy. But more than anything, I would love to have a TV series based in like the same universe as the trilogy, but just different part of the world, telling a different story, but more of a localized story you can have the movie as the epic end of the world thing while the tv series is more about the the local adventures the local threats um but what's funny is like right now i'm pretty indifferent i don't have any hopes don't really have any bad things for what may or may not be the movie but what i am excited for is the critical role animated series because that might be the closest thing we'll get to a, a really good D D style show Josh Beckelheimer there of JB Publishing. Thank you for the call in. And you know what immediately came to my mind when you're describing how you would, you know, plan out the movies is uh, I'm watching The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, you know, kind of the TV show companion to the whole Star Wars universe. And that, you know, they kind of go to some backwater towns. It's not part of the main thrust of the, you know, the whole epic saga and everything. And it is great. I love it. I think it's great. Um, they mix so many little droids and characters and, and, and so many little, you know, callbacks and shout outs to different little scenes in the movies. You know, it's got, you know, the little eyeball kind of scanner thing that comes out of Jabba's palace that comes out of a wall. You know, it's got all that stuff mixed in. It's really, really well done. And, and I think that, you know, I, I think something like that, it doesn't try to be too epic. Um, kind of like we were talking about with uh, Frank, with uh, just a straight-up dungeon crawl. Something like that could could do really well. Um, there's so many expectations that go in with doing the big epic thing and the trilogy, and there's, uh, you know, uh, I think they feel like 
it seems like a lot of blockbusters feel like they have to, you know, check all these boxes and everything and, and, and to, to, to fit the mold with that kind of thing. And, and you can maybe be looser and, and more, um, I don't know, less restricted, uh, doing something in smaller scale and, and without as, uh, big, you know, as epic an arc and all that. Uh, I don't know if I'm explaining my thoughts very well, but you know, uh, but, uh, yeah, as far as the cartoon goes, we'll see. You know, I, I, I've watched a few streaming things. I haven't watched a ton of Critical Role. Um, I've, I have watched <coughs> some um, some good stuff people have done with Call of Cthulhu and Vampire of the Masquerade. For some reason, D&D is not as uh, enthralling to me as, as, as something to watch a streaming game. Um but, uh, you know, obviously that Kickstarter did phenomenal. I know there's maybe, uh, I heard someone talking about, you know, there, there's already going to be like a couple of seasons of the show ordered or something like that. Or, you know, there'll be more than one thing at least for that. And it's sure to, sure to bring more eyes onto D&D. And, you know, a cartoon, you can get away with a lot and, uh, and pull off effects and, and things like that that, that you might not be able to do course now you can pretty much do anything but you know you can do anything with a cartoon you know you're not limited um but anyway i appreciate the call interesting things to think about uh again you made me think directly about the star wars and uh, uh i really think the mandalorian's good i'm, I'm sure y'all are hearing that from other people i'm really enjoying it and uh it make, gives me great hope for the uh, ewan mcgregor obi-wan spinoff that's going to be coming out another little you know another little show so hey froth it's rob from down in heat oh man i wish that movie that gary was working on had come out in the 80s that would have been so sweet but who do you think the the actors would have been what would your i mean what would have made a, a sweet movie or just a ridiculous movie i'm thinking maybe like the protagonist would be willie ames and leaf garrett and Radon Chong, there's some star power for you. Maybe the evil uh, Dark Lord or Dark Knight, whatever the hell they called them, was, would be uh, James Best, Roscoe P. Coltrane. And, of course, their Gandalf-like character, Sebastian Cabot, Mr. French. A new D&D movie, I don't know, could be good as long as they have a mace that becomes a mace and they smoke a few magical scrolls. See ya. That's Rob C. there from Down in a Heap. Those are some inspired choices. Leaf Garrett, now that, I think you nailed that one. That's the lead, whatever, the college student. But I was thinking for like, uh, you know, whatever it was, the race car driver type guy that he meets up with. You know, it's early 80s. I'm thinking maybe could Eric Estrada from Chips pull it off, you know? But Radon Chong, yeah. That's another good one. And then, uh, I, I, you know, I also think maybe for the master, I guess it's like a dungeon master or something, but the character that we're all talking, what we're talking about now is obviously the eighties movie that Gygax tried to make, but, but couldn't, if you look at last week's post, there's a great article, uh, that John Peterson from, uh, playing the playing at the world fame did for the escapist. that goes into detail on Gygax's script and everything. It's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. It would have been a, Terrible movie, but a cult classic all the same. But so there's another character called the Master, you know, that seems an obvious kind of allusion to a dungeon master. And I was thinking maybe a wine drunk, bloated Orson Welles, you know, making a guest appearance. You know, give him a few bucks, he'd do anything around those, that time. So I thought Orson Welles as the Master, perhaps. When you mentioned Roscoe P. Coltrane as well, uh, you know, growing up in the South, Dukes of Hazard was a uh, big time. And uh, interestingly enough, my friend whose brother, you know, who through their brother, I got introduced to D&D, his mom had gone out on a date with Enos, the actor that plays Enos when she was in high school. And, uh, we found that fascinating. You know, what was Enos like? <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> uh, funny world. All right, last quick thing on the intro tab. Uh, I always like to give a shout out to new bloggers when I spot them. And I got a couple of new ones to give a shout out to, starting with D66 Classless Cobalds. D66cobalds.blogspot.com. They just got it cranking up here in December. They got three posts up so far. Let's see if there's a name. This is Jim's blog. Welcome to the blogosphere, Jim. As well as the Flump Philosopher. Uh, flump-philosopher.github.io. And so uh, they've just got one post up so far. Something Glog related. Introducing the Pistolero Glog class. So, yeah. Welcome to the blogosphere to the Flump <laughs> The Flump Philosopher. The map segment of Hump Day Blogorama is proudly brought to you by Frank Turfler, legendary anchorite of Frank T's liner notes. I've been backing Frank T's Patreon for a while. High quality, full color, world class battle maps, sci-fi, fantasy, and otherwise. Innovative print and paste terrain that brings your table to life. Multiple support tiers, including a commercial tier, which will allow you to use Frank T's creations in your own commercial projects. You can sample some of the quality of the work by looking for Frank's Free Map Friday posts. So whether you are a creator that is looking for some cartography for a new project, whether you are a GM gaming online or in person at the table, or you're just like Froth, a map junkie, and you can't get enough of this stuff, go right now to patreon.com forward slash Frank T and check it out. All right, let's get into the maps. I'm starting over. This is an interesting one. Reverence Pavane's blog, reverencepavane.blogspot.com, the And He Built a Crooked Dungeon blog. They've got a post up, What the Hell Have You Done to Stonehell? Now, this will be a lot, I mean, this looks cool either way, but it'll be really cool if, you, uh, if you're familiar at all with Michael Curtis's uh, Stonehell mega dungeon stone hell is a you know and in, in a lesson in exceptional layout um so what you have is each level of the dungeon is like broken into four quadrants and so as you you know look at each quadrant it has like a two-page spread with the map on one side and kind of everything you need and the margins and on the second page makes it really really smooth to run but no one's going to say it's the best looking maps that they've ever seen. You know, it does end up kind of, you know, in order to have the layout work the way it does, it's kind of uniform and kind of, you know, compressed. I mean, Michael does everything he can do with it to be creative. There's different shapes and, you know, styles of level and everything. But, you know, it all is fits that format. So anyway, Reverence Pavane mentions that they always found it too cramped for their taste. Ideally, they'd like to disperse it more. So what they did is they kind of spread it out. Uh, they spread out the actual map um, into a circular form. And, um, and it's just interesting. It's, it's cool, especially if you're familiar with Stonehouse. So I, I thought this was, I immediately recognized what these different areas and stuff are. And uh, so anyway, I thought that was neat. That's at reverencepavane.blogspot.com. Uh, then Aniko Manicha, one of my favorite cartographers, blogs over at eltomocarmesi.blogspot.com, uh, did a post, Gahura, the region of the three kingdoms. And this was a map they were commissioned to do for someone's campaign world. And wow, talk, you, know, you bring this out for your own campaign map and, uh, you're, you're, you're a legend because, uh. Aniko's stuff is fantastic, and uh, this is just a great-looking kind of overland overview map of a campaign area. Uh, but I hadn't seen Aniko put something up in a minute. Always uh, enjoy seeing Aniko's stuff, so check this out over at eltomocarmacy.blogspot.com. And, uh, wow, I'd love to have a home campaign map that looked half as good as that. And then finally, this is really cool, the Hidden in Shadows blog. D.H. Boggs blog, bogswood.blogspot.com. Comes up anytime I'm talking Arneson, a recent Arneson Appreciation Month. Uh, I was talking about the uh, Hidden in Shadows blog several times. Um, they do a lot of you know scholarship and history as related relates to Blackmore and Arneson. And this one's called Where in the World is Blackmore? 
and it says despite being a locale successfully utilized by many gamers for nearly five decades now, the town of Blackmore seems surprisingly agile, appearing to wander about the map in a curious and sometimes perplexing fashion. So they go through all the different um, uh, instances of uh, of the of Blackmore appearing and all these different products and everything, and and show how it kind of you know, shifts around as they mentioned. So this was a combination of getting to look at all these cool maps as well as kind of one of these uh, Sherlock Holmes detective posts uh, of the early days of D&D. So great stuff um, as usual from D.H. Boggs over at bogswood.blogspot.com. A few reviews and retrospectives I thought I'd share. I've been uh, occasionally when a new post goes up in this series over at the Indie Game Reading Club, I've been mentioning them, uh, the IndieGameReadingClub.com. They've been going through uh, the the Invisible Sun product, the uh, kind of epic uh, Monty Cook product. Paul Beakley blogs over here, and they're, now they're on the book uh, The Path. So it's a it's a bunch of different books. There's The Path, The Way, The Gate, The Key, you know, and plus all these you know cards and all kinds of stuff that goes with it. So anyway, this is like the book that uh, seems to be most about kind of the setting, uh, the surrealist sort of setting of, uh, of Invisible Sun. So if you're uh, curious about that, I think Beakley's a really good writer, uh, and this has been a good review to, to, to follow along with. You, you learn a lot about the game by reading these. So if you're curious about that Invisible Sun, that's over at IndieGameReadingClub.com. Pookie, Pookie UK over at Reviews from Rulier, uh, talked about the new Call of Cthulhu Berlin the Wicked City supplement. Rulierreviews.blogspot.com. So this one looks really good. Um, I was watching some show on Netflix, uh, Babylon Berlin. It's pretty good. It's set around this time period. Uh, and, uh, and so if you're looking to, to run this, that, that's a great show to, to watch, uh, Maybe not 100% historically accurate or whatever, but it'll, it would be great kind of reference material to, to get in the mindset for, for this game. But I've heard from numerous people that this is a great um, Call of Cthulhu supplement. It looks like uh, Pookie agrees as well. So if you want to read about this uh, good-looking Berlin source book for Call of Cthulhu, that's over at rulierreviews.blogspot.com. Uh, Tim Brannon over at theotherside.timsbrannon.com. So they went home to their parents for Thanksgiving, and uh, their their brother had a gift for them, Avalon Hill's Wizard Quest board game. So this is taking a look at an old Avalon Hill kind of, you know, fantasy-themed board game. It's got a, a bunch of little pictures and stuff. So this is just like a retrospective, not a ton of detail, but uh, if you wanted to see what this looked like and the components and all that, it looks pretty cool. That's over at theotherside.timsbrandon.com. The Rat Hole. The Rathole.ca does a review of Eclipse Phase 2nd Edition. And I've heard from numerous people that it's a major improvement on the 1st Edition. That character creation is easier. And uh, I like to hype up this game because it's one that I own the 1st Edition of. But I've never gotten to play it. And I really love the premise and everything about this. This kind of sci-fi game where you can you know shift morphs, you know, switch bodies and upload your consciousness into computers and all and, nanotechnology and all this weird stuff in the hands of a skilled dm this or, or gm i should, should say this would be uh it could be a legendary campaign to play in looking around for the second edition book though it's been a little bit hard for me to find i guess i'll just have to go to this the publisher site i want this in hardback no way i'm going to deal with just a uh um a pdf of this so uh, I'll, I'll look for it, um, but it's not on Amazon or any of these sites. I guess I'll just have to go uh, directly to their uh, website. It's something I'm, I'm definitely going to pick up. So Eclipse Phase 2nd Edition, that's over at therathole.ca. And then finally, Wayne over at Wayne's Books. Looking for some hard-to-find stuff, you can usually find it at Wayne's Books, waynesbooks.games. Put up a cool post of some old TSR product posters from the you know late 70s. And there's one of my uh, you know white whale gaming products, the old Divine Right board game. And I think Rob C from Down in a Heat mentioned at one point that they've got it. And that's uh, 
Oh, I've got to get Divine Right, but man, you cannot find a cheap copy of that thing, uh, if you can find a copy at all, but there's so many cool articles back in the day in Dragon uh, about that game, you know, about the lore and the world and everything, so that, that that's one of the posters that really caught my eye when I was looking at this, so check that out, it's got Snit's Revenge and all this stuff over waynesbooks.games. Just a quick addendum, I decided to try to look around and see if I couldn't find... Uh, Eclipse Phase 2nd Edition in print, and even on their own site, it just takes you to drive through, and uh, it's just a PDF, so maybe it's just not out in print yet, maybe that's why I couldn't find it, anyway, didn't want to sound too lazy. Alright, so let's roll on some random tables, and I've got some good stuff for y'all this time, because uh, if you remember last week, I was over at... Uh, to Tomas Kizbali's Eldritch Fields blog, eldritchfields.blogspot.com, and they had a random table up about what happens when you smoke magic scrolls. And this thing has escalated now, a little back and forth between them and the Chaos Magic User at magicuser.wordpress.com. So now Eldritch Fields has got D66 things that happen when you inject your, inject your liquefied henchmen. So things that happen when you inject your liquefied henchmen and then, uh, chaos magic users coming back with D 10 things that happen when you inhale the ashes of the outer God you just killed. So let's start with Eldritch fields and see what happens when we, you know, we smoke the magic scrolls. Now we're getting really crazy. We're going to inject our liquefied henchmen and see what happens. Uh, let's see. I dropped to one hit dice. All other stats remain unchanged. So, <laughs> uh oh, I got henchman hit dice now. Let's see. Uh, sympathy for hirelings. You're unwilling to manipulate henchmen any further. So, it gave me a new sympathy for them. A little, uh, so yeah. So, D66 things that happen, uh, <laughs> When you inject your liquefied henchman, that's over at eldritchfields.blogspot.com. And then the chaos magic user, it's magic with a K, magicuser.wordpress.com. D10 things that happen when you inhale the ashes of the outer god you just killed. So I've inhaled the ashes of the outer god. And uh, nothing happens. I don't feel anything strange. Nothing at all nor your legs, nor your arms, nor your weight. Are you just a floating head? Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, we'll see where this goes. I hope it continues to escalate. You know, I see what these, these folks come up with next, but, uh, we're smoking scrolls. We're inhaling the ashes of outer gods. Uh, we're injecting liquefied henchmen. So yeah. And then finally, I thought I'd mention this under the, the random tables. This is at the Terrible Sorcery blog. My Terrible Sorcery is without equal in the West. TerribleSorcery.blogspot.com, HDA. This is a review, but it's related to random tables, talking about the Metamorphica Revised by Johnstone Metzger. There is the original version of this that is still free to download, but this one is in print and PDF uh, on DriveThru and Lulu. But it's uh, basically got a D1000 mutation table and... Uh, they really enjoy it, go into some detail about it. So it fit in with the random table themes. If you want uh, the Metamorphica and, and, and uh, really get uh, get weird with some mutations, I mean, between the Metamorphica and uh, the stuff that's been happening on Eldritch Fields and Magic User uh, lately, <laughs> to call it Gonzo would be putting it lightly. All right, the ever-popular free stuff, you know. Grab a free rule set, go back through about a year of Humday Blogorama, you're set for life. Free stuff. Starting over at Lester's Ramble, lestersramble.blogspot.com. Vance A over here will often do these kind of one page dungeon deals where they'll have a cool map and then in the margins they'll have areas where you can stock it. They've got the Lava Caves of Tarko up. You can download its PDF for free over at lestersramble.blogspot.com. And then this is Knights in the North I've mentioned before. If you're into Dungeon Crawl Classics, this is definitely a blog to follow. I can't even really keep up with all the free PDFs and stuff they put up. You know, spells, creatures, you know, uh, variants, whatever. Just grab this one. I spotted it. D100 Wizard Names. And uh, 
they say they've been working in the secretarial department of local hospitals, so they've come across a lot of pharmaceutical products. So they made this D100 wizard names table. I could have put this under the random tables, but it's a downloadable PDF, so I stuck it under the free stuff. But but anyway, D100 wizard names, and it's using pharmaceutical real-world medication names and stuff. Immediately, I see Gaviscon, which I know is what my dad used to take for, for heartburn, but might as well just give you a bonus random table roll. D100 wizard names here. Uh, Curlon. Yeah, that's pretty good. Let's do one more. Selexid. <laughs> so, so they, real world medications and stuff that uh, make great wizard names. You can download that. It's at knightsinthenorth.com. Uh, now I'm cheating a little bit here because I spotted this on Reddit, but you know, so many people are doing this really good looking, um, 5e homebrew you know what i'm saying and uh you know if, you, if you're you're into 5e homebrew don't just go to the dms guild you know i, I do uh, posts on saturdays highlighting some dms guild stuff but uh, you get over on the reddit and some of the homebrew areas and everything you'll see some cool stuff and anyway i just thought this looked pretty good and thought i'd stick it up for you the renewed psionic rules for handling psionics a full regiment of powers a psionic class eight psionic subclasses a supplement for the world's greatest role-playing game. So a 5e psionic supplement. I've got the uh, Google Drive link up there if you want to check that out. Already mentioned Tomas Kizbali's Eldritch Fields blog earlier, but they come up again because they're talking about this 30-minute dungeon challenge where uh, created by Tristan Tanner of the Boogeyman's Cave blog, uh, which is, uh, <clears throat> you know, use randomized prompts as guidelines and try to create a dungeon within a certain amount of time. They created one, put it into a PDF, the Gollum Masters Workshop. You can download that right now. I've got the link up for you. DM David, dmdavid.com. Print my custom D&D DM screen to defeat the Basilisk. So they're talking about how they built and put together their own DM screen, and they've got a free PDF version of it up there uh, that you can, you know, check out. Now, there are tons of, um, you know, tons of 5e DM screens out there, but, you know, I'll, I like to, to use different ones for different times, as a matter of fact. I've seen many, many good ones. You know, the only really crappy 5e DM screen was the first one the Wizards put out. Uh, they put out a, a revised one that was much better. But anyway, if you want to check out what DM David's working with as far as DM screens go, got that up for you. And then finally, this was awesome. Vieja Escuela is an old school Spanish language RPG that has since had an English version put out. I think I mentioned it maybe almost a year ago. But now uh, the pulp variant, Vieja Escuela, old school pulp, it is up with an English version. So it's got Spanish and English versions of this. Aniko Manicha that I already mentioned does the maps for this. It's great stuff. Grappasemappas.com. And uh, it's not just the the book. The book's got everything you need, even a mini adventure. But then there's pre-gens, a character sheet. So uh, this is really rad. So check out Vieja Escuela Pulp over at Grappasemappas.com few miscellaneous things as always to point out uh whenever people go to conventions and do like a, a post of their experiences there i like to share them so we can all live vicariously through them and larry hamilton legendary anchorite from follow me and die follow me and die.com went to yukon they've got a post con post you know report on the games that they played games they ran experiences that they had and everything. They played some Boot Hills, some Macchiato, Macchiato Monsters. They were playtesting their card game that will eventually uh, get crowdfunded at some point. And uh, did a lot of gaming. So it was cool to see, uh, cool to hear from Larry and see what Larry was up to over at UConn. Looks like a good time. And then another convention, um, this is actually a series. It's got three posts that I've noticed so far. Aki over at Cannibal Halfling Gaming went to PAX Unplugged. They've got a kind of an update log of what they did throughout the day with pictures and, and notes and everything else. So if you want to see what PAX Unplugged is all about, that's over at Cannibal Halfling Gaming. 
a couple weeks ago, I mentioned Chicago Wiz, C-H-G-O Wiz-Games.blogspot.com. Chicago Wiz was building the moat house from Homlet with cardboard and stuff, and they've made some more progress. So I've got a link over to check this out. It's really cool. Uh, they're doing a great job, and uh, the images kind of speak for themselves. Uh, uh, I mean, it's uh, such an iconic map uh, uh the moat house map you know that you could recognize it immediately so it's cool to see this thing coming along check that out over at the chicago wiz game site finally it kind of tis the season uh, you know what i mean so um last uh, week or maybe it was the week before i was mentioning how uh, over at crumblingkeep.com they've got a new holiday theme module up then i spotted this at tribality.com uh, they did a post uh, christmas themed adventures and so this is kind of like a mega post listing, you know, you know, a couple, you know, maybe oh, 30, 30 plus uh, Christmas themed adventures that are out there. Some new ones for D&D &D 5e, like How Orcas Stole Christmas. And uh, uh, it's got stuff for Pathfinder, 3rd Edition, 4th Edition, Fate, Story Games, a bunch of other stuff. So uh, whether you're into... New school D&D, &D, old school D&D, &D, or not into D&D &D at all, there's uh, all these kind of holiday-themed adventures out there that could make for fun one-shots with your group if you're getting together. Uh, so, anyway, I thought you might want to check that out. Christmas-themed adventures over at Tribality.com. Ho, ho, ho. All right, so for the final topic today, I'm calling this Zero Interest, which... It might be a little bit harsh. I was trying to think of like a you know catchy name for the for the end that has to do with this because this is about session zeros. Uh, so zero interest might be more harsh than you'll actually hear me saying it. But you know, so session zeros probably are probably a concept that you know most players of of, of a myriad of RPGs are probably familiar with. You know the idea. There being a kind of a pre-game session where everybody's maybe making their characters, talking about kind of game expectations, um, this, that, and the other. And uh, so this was prompted by a post over at geektyrant.com. Tommy Williams over there, my takeaways since holding my first session zero. They said that they really only heard of the concept of a session zero a couple months ago. They'd never been part of a campaign that had one before. But before their new Curse of Strahd game, they had a session zero. They say it's made a giant difference. They can't recommend it enough. They talk about some of the things they suggest talking about, such as uh, the campaign world, what classes or races are not allowed, if any, what level they'll start out, what style campaign is it, heavy role play, whatever, how the characters might know each other in game, character concept, what's expected of the players, what's expected of the DM. And that sort of thing. Uh, they mentioned um, they had a bad experience once where they had just sent an email out to give people a description of the campaign. In the world, magic and religion were taboo, but one of the players missed the memo, created a character that was uh, a monk and over, overtly interested in religion and didn't mess with the world. And, you know, they recommend always having a session zero and everything else. And I hate session zeros. <laughs> I, I could have put this on un, un, unpopular D&D &D opinions uh, because I've realized that most people are going to disagree with me. Now, let me put a little asterisk there, a little caveat. I hate session zeros if you're not going to play at the same session. I don't like going to a session where it's just all talk and making characters and getting you all hyped up to play. And then it's like, okay, so two weeks from now, we'll get started, y'all. You know, I just, I can't stand that. And some people might say, well, you know, because first of all, I'm used to my group. They know the tone and all that. So I'm spoiled or, or you know, and some people might say, oh, but if you're playing, you're going to play with strangers. You're going to play with, uh, you know, with a, with a new group or people have never played before. It's going to be even more important. But in that case, it's to me, it's even worse because I'm probably driving somewhere, you know, whatever, 30 minutes or something somewhere to sit around while everyone makes their characters get all hyped up, want to roll dice, and then it's like, okay, see you in two weeks or what, you know what I mean? So if it's if it's rolling up characters real quickly and having a talk and then playing, it's one thing. 
But even then, you know, I feel for this person that uh, the girl didn't, you know, read the read the email and, and brought a monk to a, you know, no religion world game. But, you know, I, I read the email, you know what I mean? I expect other people to read the email. And I, I don't, I, to me, it feels overblown to make a, you know, three plus hour session, you know, or, you know, to, to take the place of a session to sit down and talk about the basics of, you know, ex basic expectations at a table. To me, I, you can, I couldn't stretch that out to three hours. Um, uh, you know, to, I just, is it just me? Um, or, or, or do other people feel that way? Uh, so, you know, tone of a game, I think it's something to easily put in a, you know, a couple lines of email. I don't like, I mean, if I'm a GM and I've got brand new players and have never played a game, if it's going to be a one shot or something, you know, just a couple of sessions, I probably put together a, have a pre-gen for them. Right. If it's something where we're going to roll and I've got a mix of, you know, players that have never played before and other experienced players, I'm not going to make the experienced players come sit there with a built, you know, that can easily build their characters and have them, you know, bring them with them. I'm not going to make them have to come and sit there for the, you know, 30, 40 minutes it takes. You know, I'm not talking about old school here. I'm talking about, you know, thinking about 5e in particular. To, to go through and explain what spells are and all that, you know, for certain players, that's like torture, you know, they're just sitting there like, okay, you know, and, and it's not out of disrespect for the new player. You know, I would maybe get one-on-one -on -one with the, the new player and help them, but I wouldn't make everybody come there and make a big, you know, fake session out of it. <laughs> Again, I, I think that I, a lot of people are going to disagree with me. And I think maybe, you know, the disagreements that'll come, many of them will probably be from, you know, like this person's experience writing on Geek Tyrant where, you know, they've had games fall apart before or games that didn't get off to a good start and they feel like it could have been set up better by, uh, by having a session zero. And I mean, when I did this, uh, we were talking about DM greatest weaknesses. Um, I, be I believe Logan Howard, um, uh, had, had called in and, uh, um, um, and mentioned that kind of the tone of the, their campaign, you know, wasn't heroic or they were having a hard time kind of steering players towards, you know, caring about the world rather than being murder hobos or, you know, th these sorts of things. Uh, and, and, you know, even I suggested that was maybe something about, you know, you could, set set that tone or explain that at the beginning of a session but i would never tell somebody to sit down and do it for three hours you know or you know and, and, and not or not play at the same not play after explaining it i guess my biggest my biggest issue with it is decoupling the session from actually getting to play like if you're gonna do it if you're gonna have this thing if you're gonna make experienced players sit with beginner players or whatever the mix is and everybody make characters together and have these conversations about tone and have it all that at least play the game during the same session. So a session zero by itself, just to talk and, uh, and all that to me, can't stand it. I gotta be honest. Is it just me? What do you think about session zeros? Tell me how wrong I am. Tell me what I'm missing. Uh, let me know why it can't be just done in an email. Um, you know, cause I, I want to hear other people's opinions and, uh, you know, so that's mine. <laughs> All right. So that is the show for this week. Now, look, you know, obviously I'm just random old froth. Uh, my opinions are just my opinions. So I'd like to hear other sides. I like to hear what, I, you know, other people think. So. Uh, you know, I'm not the authority on anything. So if you want to call in on talking about session zeros or any of the other topics we talked about today, you can message me on the anchor app or just go to the anchor page. Um, 
that's linked, you know, linked to out, out of this blog post and it's got a message button there. So you can call in on the show. I'll put you on. Let's see. Remember that all these links are over at the Thought Eater blog. Just Google Thought Eater blog or go to froth, froth.dnd.blogspot.com. If you just want to send me an email, it's frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com. Special thanks. Go out to Frank T. Frank T's liner notes, patreon.com forward slash Frank T. Huge shout out and appreciation to folks backing me on Patreon as well. You know, I'm trying to grow this thing a little bit. You know, it's just one tier. It's a dollar a month. So if you like getting this content uh, curated for you, you like getting this stuff every week, you can go to patreon.com forward slash thought eater, sign up. It's just a dollar a month. But there are other ways that you can support Old Froth and the Thought Eater blog, Thought Eater podcast, and everything else. You can add me to your blog roll. You can, if you're listening on a platform that allows for ratings, such as like Apple Podcasts or what have you, you can give me a rating. And you can really just, you know, the most important thing is just sharing it with others, you know, letting somebody know about it. Um, You know, that helps it grow. I'd appreciate it. As I mentioned before, you've got any New Year's gaming resolutions, I want to hear them. Send them to me. I'll drop a hump day bloggerama next week and then uh, probably be off for a couple weeks. So uh, as far as stuff to look forward to, I haven't decided what I'm going to do for five minute Friday yet, but you'll have that coming. And then uh, we are going to play this weekend uh, Froth University and uh, then we'll have a couple weeks off. So this will be the last one for a while. This will be the culmination of their freshman year. So if you still haven't listened to uh, last week's Froth University recap. It was a fun one. You can check that out now. Is there anything else? I don't think so. It's been a long day. But uh, sure do appreciate folks listening. I enjoy doing this show. Thanks for the folks who called in. And whoever you are, wherever you are in the world listening to this, know that I appreciate you. And thank you for your support. Logan, make that sweet music. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind Boom, 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 boom.